Hello, welcome to the Rise Up with Orion podcast. Thank you so much for joining our webinar today. This is an amazing discussion with a new friend of mine, Amber Dibert. We're going to be talking about imposter syndrome, which I think many of us have probably heard this or it's been thrown around in conversations. I know it has for me. And it is a little bit different for Orion podcast topics. You know, a lot of the time we talk about our physical health. And I think this one really brings in a different element that Amber will be talking about. So Amber, I will let you introduce yourself in just a minute, but let me preface how amazing you are first. As an executive coach um, for leaders in the tech startup, she is located in Silicon Valley, right in the heart of it, where she helps high achievers overcome this imposter syndrome, which sounds very, very scary. So welcome, Amber. Thank you so much for joining us. Is imposter so syndrome much. really that scary? It's so funny because hearing you read that about me, I'm like, oh, I feel like an imposter. Like, Yeah, exactly. Right? That's why you're an expert talking about it, right? Exactly. So uh, what's fascinating about the imposter syndrome is that a lot of people actually don't know what it is. Maybe they've heard of it. Maybe they haven't. But once you describe what it is, people are like, oh, yes, ah. definitely been there. Mm -hmm. And I so, think, you know, as you're going to talk about it, I'm, I'm sure I'll have some examples because I have been there. And it is a fierce mental battle. So what yeah. is it? So I love the word for word description from Wikipedia. So I'm going to read that. It says it's a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Despite external evidence of their competence, those experiencing this phenomenon remain convinced that they are frauds and do not deserve all that they have achieved. It's this persistent yeah. voice in the back of your head that like people are going to find out, they're going to find out that you're making it all up. Right. And it's not even necessarily, necessarily that we're making it up, but we think that we're going to be you know, called out on, yes. you don't know what you're doing, you know, so exactly. how are you qualified to do this? Exactly. And the thing that's so tricky about it is that you could talk to a friend and you could be like, I just feel like I don't deserve this. And they're like, what are you talking about? Of course you deserve this. The thing with imposter syndrome is that on the outside, you have so many external achievements that you've already accomplished. So on paper, you're a wild success, but on the inside, you feel like a complete fraud. You feel like you got there by chance. You shouldn't actually be there. The people who put you there made a mistake. They didn't know what they were doing when they put you in that position. And the feeling that you are making it all up and you don't know what you're doing is the primary indicator of imposter syndrome. Oh my gosh. And I'm just thinking about one example for myself. So I started here at Orion 15 years ago. And I was hired to travel around the state giving presentations about, you know, health and wellness topics where I was asked to give between 12 and 20 presentations every single month, standing up in front of people talking about anything under the sun that was health and wellness related. I've never taken a public speaking course. That was not anything that I ever learned. I got my master's and I still didn't have any public speaking experience. And now I'm being asked to do this. So again, how am I feeling about that? It was just one of those where I was like, yes, no, I'm a complete imposter. I don't know why they hired me to do this. I have no experience doing this. Here we go. Um, and yet so you, about how you had a master's degree. Like any of us would look at you and say, of course you're qualified to do this. 
You've mm -hmm. studied this. You've spent more time than probably most people studying this topic. Right. Of course, you're qualified. So this, yeah. I love that you shared that example because it, it like elaborates on the reason that people feel imposter syndrome. And this is my favorite part about it. It does feel like scary and it feels like people are going to find out. And if they find out, then you're going to get fired and then you're going to end up homeless <laughs> and then you die. Like it's like always worst case scenario. But the fact, no, about no, okay. imposter, yeah, the fact about imposter syndrome is that it only happens if you're a success, period. Hmm. The only reason you feel like imposter syndrome is because you've reached the next level of success. So in your situation, you got hired, you got added to this team and you reached the next level of success. And the thing about it is that you felt like you didn't know what you were doing and you felt like an imposter because you had never done it before. And that's like anybody, mm -hmm. you get promoted to a new role or you get added to a project that you've never been on before, or you get a new job someplace else. And those are the moments when you feel like an imposter because you literally, you feel like you don't know what you're doing because you've literally never done it before. But yeah. the thing about imposter syndrome is you literally cannot feel imposter syndrome unless you've achieved the next level of success. So when you look at it that way, I think of it as this wonderful thing. It means that you're growing and you're succeeding. And it's not that you're this terrible fraud who's like pulled the wool over everybody's eyes. It's that you literally are a success. Right. And sometimes it takes a change or it takes that, you know, lack of confidence, if you will, um, to push you into a new opportunity. But it doesn't look, seem like an opportunity at that time. Right. Exactly. Because you feel so concerned about yourself and so concerned about what other people are thinking. And they're going to find out that I wasn't the right person for the promotion. They're going to regret that they put me in this position. I'm going to screw it all up. It's going to be a big mistake, especially mm -hmm. I work with a lot of people who are new managers and new managers mm -hmm. feel this, especially because it's not just your leadership that you're worried about. It's the people below you who you feel like a fraud in front of and you need to manage them. And it's, it's a very vulnerable right. space to be a brand new manager. Yeah. Amber, do you think it is worse now than it has been a couple years ago? You know, whether it be, you know, different behaviors in the workplace or society, do you think it's worse now than it has been? I do think that because we change careers so much and we are no longer at the same company for a long time, typically, that it does feel, you do feel imposter syndrome. The people who come to me and say, I have this persistent imposter syndrome. They think it's like a, a medical condition that they have. Right. And I want to like, just pause right there. It is not a diagnosable medical condition, period. Mm -hmm. It is a passing effect that you feel from time to time. So the people who come to me and say, I feel it all the time. Mm -hmm. I know for certain that they are people who have moved up in their career very quickly and have gained a lot of success. And they're like, oh, you're right. I am. I'm somebody who got promoted and got changed to different positions and changed to different projects. And the people who don't feel imposter syndrome are the ones who stay in their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Stay doing something that you're comfortable with and you never push yourself outside that comfort zone. You never grow. And so you never experience the imposter syndrome. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what you said at the beginning is, you know, people are, are changing careers. You know, I'm, I'm one of those <laughs> ironic ones that have been with O'Reilly for 15 years. But again, that isn't that I'm still in the same position that I was right. 15 years ago, like you said, um, yeah, you know, exactly. moving up and sideways in each of those different directions.
Exactly. And taking on new projects. Yeah. Taking on new things that you've not done before, starting podcasts, doing webinars. So every little step of something that you haven't done before creates the imposter syndrome. But here's the thing that I want you to think about as well. Are you still today worried about giving presentations? No. Why? Because I've done it for so long now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So everybody listening in, I want you to think about, there's probably a situation right now. The reason you're listening, I'm assuming, is because you feel imposter syndrome or you want to learn more about Mm -hmm. it. So probably right now you feel some form of imposter syndrome. But if you go back and look at the times in the past when you felt imposter syndrome, you probably don't feel it about those topics anymore. I know a lot of people when they graduate college and they're getting their first job, they feel like an incredible imposter because they literally have never done anything like this before. It's your first job. And now thinking about interviewing for jobs is like no big deal because they've done it so much. So the other concept about imposter syndrome that I love is not only will you only feel imposter syndrome if you're a success, you can, you can know that if you're feeling it, it's because you're a success, but also it's a passing effect. The reason you feel imposter syndrome is because you literally never have done that thing before, but as you do it over and over, what happens is your brain at first, when it's this new thing that's outside of your comfort zone, your brain tags it as like a threat. It's like, this is a terrible idea. Let's stay in our comfort zone. We might die if we do this. Mm -hmm. And as you do it over and over and over again, pretty soon your brain's like, oh, weird. She's done that 10 times. She hasn't died. And your brain moves it to the approved list. So you no longer feel the imposter syndrome about that. Well, I think, Amber, as I'm thinking about this, too, with our audience, is it isn't necessarily just among, you know, employment and your job. You know, prime example, you say you have a child and you have to strap that child into your car and take it home. I will never forget the feeling <laughs> of my husband and I putting the car in drive, taking this little person home, having no idea what we're doing with it. You know, I've changed three diapers in my life. I have wanted a family. But again, you know. It's amazing that even in everyday life, imposter syndrome is there, whether or not it's applicable to a job or employment. Yeah, it's so funny. I still sometimes catch myself. I'm like pushing the stroller around with my two-year-old. And I think like people are going to find out. They're going to know that I'm just making this up, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is the imposter syndrome, that feeling of being exposed. So I wanted to comment too on a few other things about the imposter syndrome. And these are like ways that you can know if you have it or not. There's three different, I call them flavors of imposter syndrome. The first one is that you feel like a fraud. This is where you feel like somebody is going to like security, but the imposter police are going to break in the door. They're going to shine a light on you. They're going to say, we found you out. You're making all this up. You don't know what you're doing. And you feel like a complete fraud. The second flavor is that you feel like you just got lucky. You were just in the right place at the right time. It wasn't because of anything special that you had accomplished. You just happened to get lucky and you got to where you are. And then the third flavor of imposter syndrome is that you downplay all of your achievements. Anything that you've achieved, you're like, oh, it wasn't a big deal. Anybody could have done it. Like nothing special. I'm not extraordinary. My favorite example of this is a person who literally got a PhD in rocket science (laughs) and was like, anybody could have done it. It wasn't that big of a deal, (laughs) which we can all look at that and be like, that's ridiculous. Um, 
Yet we convince ourselves that what we have accomplished is no big deal and that anybody could have done it. So it's really interesting when you look at those three different flavors of imposter syndrome and figure out which one of those feels the most accurate for you. Mm -hmm. Like the luck, um, a lot of people will feel like they were in the right place at the right time and the person who put them in that position was temporarily incompetent. So I have a dear friend of mine, she's in a PhD program and she got into the program, it's highly competitive and she was able to qualify for it. And now that she's in the program, she feels like everyone around her is way smarter than she is. They're like that. She's like so unqualified to be there because everybody is so super smart. And I said, okay, well, if they're so smart, how did you get in? She's like, they didn't know what they were doing. They were incompetent when they put me there. I'm like, wait, you can't have these two. You can't have people who are so super smart and also right. were like temporarily incompetent. Yes, and all of them too at the same time. At the same time, right. So it's really interesting when you kind of pick apart these arguments that your brain gives you about how you're not qualified and actually realize that they don't they don't stand up to anything. Yeah, and can you mix those flavors together? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Some people are like, this one stands out to me. Other people are like, yeah, but I got all three at different times mm -hmm. and different places. Yeah. And I think you just you nailed it for me. Is it depends on the situation, um, you know, where sometimes it is luck, and then other times I was like, no, you know, it is you know a downplay of achievements. And but again, it it really depends on the situation. Yeah. Um, you know. So Amber, how many people fall into this? How many people you know, fall into this, this crap, are, mental crap? Yeah. The estimates are that about 70% of the population experiences it from one time to another. I think that estimate is dramatically low. I think mm. everybody, unless they are not pushing themselves in any way, will experience the imposter syndrome at one time or another. The other really interesting thing about it is that the imposter syndrome increases the higher up in an organization you get. So we tend mm. to think of, like I remember being new in my career and seeing the managers and the directors and they seem to have all the answers. And I kept thinking, I cannot wait till I get to that point where I just know what to do because they seem to know what they are doing. And as I increased in my career and moved up, I had the imposter syndrome even more. And the, the facade or the thing that we all get wrong is that we think that as you get higher into an organization, you feel less like an imposter when really like imagine you're promoted to the CEO and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never been a CEO before. Who thought this was a good idea? So it increases as you get up in an organization. And I don't say that as like a, it's gonna get worse, but I say that as right. a normalizing it, that everybody experiences it and it's perfectly okay to experience it. I'm curious right. if that holds true for you in your career as you've moved up through the organization. Yeah, I mean, I think as I think about it, there's a newness of a job where it's uncomfortable and you probably don't feel like you know what you're doing, but it's not necessarily an imposter at that, that point. It's really just the unknown, you know, and not yeah. not having the knowledge that you think at that point to mm -hmm. succeed. But I do think, you know, as you're saying that too is, you know, do I have all the questions? No, I don't, you know, but is there the trust that maybe I do at times have the answers or have, you know, the advice or the empowerment for the employees that maybe they need? Um, but again, it, it is very role specific. You know, there's times when I'm like, nope, just rolling with the balls and I am no expert and, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But I also think as I've gotten older, my imposter syndrome tendency has reduced. 
um, mm -hmm. because I'm not no longer in my 20s and maybe even early 30s when I'm trying to form the career and I'm trying to build myself up to being, you know, the leader that I want to be now in my 40s, um, you know, that edge is taken off because it's mm -hmm. not quite, do I dare say, as important um, to have that facade, if you will. So mm -hmm. I don't know if you see, you know, age being a part of that or even gender being a yeah. part of that um, within who you talk to. Yeah. So to me, the opposite of imposter syndrome or the opposite of feeling like a fraud is confidence. Mm. And there are three ways that you can build confidence. The first is in your self-concept. If you have a good self-concept where you know, you know what, I figured this out in the past. I may mm -hmm. not know the answer to today's problem, but I know that I can figure it out. That right. is a self-concept that is going to build you confidence. Another way that you can have confidence is through doing the same thing over and over again. So I remember mm -hmm. when I first learned to mountain bike, I kind of imagined it would be like a flat sidewalk that was dirt <laughs> that you ride your yes. bike on. Uh -huh. And my friends took me biking and I was like, oh, there's like rocks and ledges and you go up and you go down. And the first few times that I went mountain biking, I had zero confidence that I could do it. It wasn't until I did it multiple times and did not die that I had confidence that I could do it again and not die. So repetition is another way that you can build confidence, which I think is um, applicable in your situation where you've been through these situations where you've developed people, you've built people up. And so even though maybe this particular situation is slightly different, you know that you have that ability to help people and to do the job that you want to do. Right. Do you see, and you know, similar to my situation, do you see women being more susceptible than men or maybe more vocal about it than men or, you know, age differences or minorities, anything that's really sticking out with those that you work with? Yeah. So that's a key uh, indicator of imposter syndrome. If you feel like you are the odd one out in the room that you're in, whether that's a physical room or a virtual room, then you're more likely to feel the imposter syndrome. What's interesting is this uh, syndrome was first named in the 70s as researchers were doing research on professional women. And they kept seeing this trend that they would downplay all their achievements and feel like they weren't deserving of what they had. So they, they initially thought, you know, this is primarily a problem that women have. And they later found that it's a problem that minorities have. Now they feel like it's a problem that probably everybody has. But what's interesting mm -hmm. is I feel like nobody is vocal about it. And actually that's one of the best things you can do is to talk to other people and find out that they also experience it. But I think it's right. key to, to realize that if you are, you do feel like the odd one out, whether you feel like you're the odd one out because of your gender, because of your race, because of your orientation, because of your experience, I've had a lot of clients who look the same as everybody else in the room, but those other people went to better schools than they did, or they have more experience or whatever. So you can find any way to make yourself the odd one out, and that will cause you to feel more imposter syndrome. Right. And cycling back to the question that I asked at the very beginning, is it worse now than it has been? And I think, you know, if we're talking about the Joneses and education and, you know, job status and all of that, it actually may be worse um, yeah. than it was, you know, talking to my parents, you know, would they even have any idea what imposter syndrome is? And they probably would be like, absolutely not. I have no idea what that is. So I'll have yeah. them listen to the podcast. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like there's just more opportunity too. There's 
I know like the people who experience the most that are in my world are people who are new managers or very successful in their careers, or it's people who are entrepreneurs and starting out their entrepreneurial journey. It's just, it's more available to people to have progression in their careers and in their lives personally. And so of course, it, when you're putting yourself in a situation where you've never done it before, you're going to feel imposter syndrome. But yeah. I just think it's not a problem. That's like mm -hmm. the piece that I wish I could tell people is the reason that you feel it is because you're such a wild success. Mm -hmm. And it's going yeah. to go away, just like any situation that you've had in the past where it was really terrifying to go into that situation. And now you're probably no longer terrified about that thing. This is also going to pass, like literally with time, it will pass. Yes. Well, and you're kind of linking into another one of the questions that I was going to ask um, is really how you get over this. Do I dare say get over it? I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, you've talked about talking about it, which, yeah. you know, finding those within your tribe that you can talk about it and normalizing it. Um, what are some of the other tips that you can give everyone wherever they are in their journey of life to get over it? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I hesitate in like my own marketing for my coaching because I want to tell people like you can overcome imposter syndrome and really like it's always going to be there. Yeah. But what I think is really key is that you don't have to be held back by it. You don't have to make it mean anything about you. There was this example that just stood out to me. It was um, an incoming class of students at um, just kind of like an up and coming school, Stanford University, maybe you've heard mm, of it. Right, yeah, that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was this incoming class of students. They were all in an auditorium. And whoever the presenter was asked them a question. He said, if you feel like you are the only one you were the one application that like slipped under the door and you actually shouldn't be here you had everybody close their eyes raise your hand if you feel like you're this one person that slipped mm -hmm. through the cracks yeah. two-thirds of the audience raised their hand oh wow which is yeah. so fascinating right like i mean i'm not a mathematician but like two-thirds can't be the one person that slipped through the cracks and i think about that group of incoming students and i think what if they were to just own that they are meant to be there, they're supposed to be in that position, the people who put them in that position made the right call and spent their energy instead building themselves up in that position versus right. worrying that people are going to find them out. Like, can you imagine how much further they would get if they just owned that this is where they're supposed to be, the people that put them there made the right decision, and it's going to be okay. Yeah. I just think about the energy expenditure of how much further you would get if you just were okay with it. Right. And within so many things in our lives, we we fixate, you know, so much creating, you know, anxiety for ourselves when, you know, <laughs> our lives could be so much better if we would put yeah. that aside and excel <laughs> and be the wonderful per person that we all are. Right. Right. So I think the first thing is just owning that, like you are meant to be where you are. Mm -hmm. The second thing, which we touched on is talking to other people. There's something so relieving when you talk to your peers and mention to them, I feel like I'm making this all up. I feel like people are going to find out. And I mean, I really think that hundred percent of people feel imposter syndrome. So if they don't say, whoa, I've never felt that before. <laughs> I mean, like, mm -hmm. I just think it's like, almost guaranteed they're gonna be like, I totally have been there. I totally get it. 
don't worry, you're not alone, you're gonna figure this out, you're highly skilled. It's kind of going off of what Brene Brown talks about with shame. She says, be sure that you reveal your shame to somebody who you trust and who you know is going to like hold that in a safe space. If you have somebody who you can talk to about that, they'll most likely say, I've been there before. And just knowing that you aren't the odd one out, you're not the only one who's experienced this, and you do belong to a group of successful people who also experience imposter syndrome, will help you to feel a lot better. Another um, technique that I have my clients do is I have them write down their achievements. Make an actual list of your achievements. For you, it's getting a master's degree. It's all the study that you did. It's any awards or any promotions or any projects that you successfully completed. And every time that feeling of, I'm an imposter, I don't deserve this, it was luck that I got here, anybody could have done this, pull out that list and look at it. And remember, no, you actually, it wasn't luck. You did exactly the right things to get yourself to where you are today. Yeah, and I really love that one too, especially as we, you know, think about and we talk to the younger generation as well. For myself, you know, teenagers to start to think about this, male, female, transgender, the whole spectrum, you know, for them to A, talk about these things, but also write down their achievements and how wonderful they are. I think so much of the time we sweep that under the rug. Um, you know, it's written on paper, it may be on our resume, it may be, yeah. you know, on a bio for ourselves, you know, deep down in the internet somewhere. But again, until it's on paper, I think it is so amazing to think about those things, no matter where we are in life, um, to know that we all have achieved something. We're here to talk about it. Mm-hmm. There's something interesting, too. I read about this in a book. Um, a professor had the idea of writing a failure resume and writing mm-hmm. a list of all your failures. And I was like, right. this is interesting. I wonder what's there. And I was talking with a client about this yesterday. We tend to not go down the worst case scenario because it looks like this spooky, creepy hall. And I don't even want to touch that. And when we start walking down it, we're like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was. And that was what I experienced right. when I wrote out my failure resume. To me, it was like, oh, I've had so many big failures. And like, it's been so terrible. And when I wrote it out, I was like, oh, there's actually not really anything there. And these are pretty minor <laughs> compared yeah, to the list of achievements. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I also will say it's so nice doing a favor, favor for your future self. If you can write down your achievements as they happen, then the next time you're writing your resume, you already have them written out. <laughs> See, right. And forget those failures. Those are the ones you can sweep under the rug. Once they've been identified, you can uh, put them in a little box and lock them away for later. <laughs> so exactly. they're not on your resume, maybe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I love this, um, you know, Amber, as you talk to your startups in Silicon Valley and, you know, all the advice that you have to give, um, let our audience know how they can get hold of you. If there's more information that they want to gather, your website, any of those things, if there's more questions that maybe we didn't answer today. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me at my website, amberdibert.com. It's A-M-B-E-R-D-E-I-B-E-R-T. You also can come follow me on LinkedIn. I post a lot of content there about imposter syndrome. And I also have a podcast called The Achievers Podcast, which you can find anywhere you get your podcasts. There you go. See, this is just launch number one into that. So I definitely recommend um, if you're interested and maybe you're struggling with some of these things at this point in your life um, to reach out and check out those other resources. 
Um, Amber, you are an amazing expert. I am so thrilled to have been introduced to you and to have you on our podcast today. And, you know, hope that everyone will join us next month as we continue kind of down the mental and emotional path. We're going to be starting our new series that's called Dear Coach, where we're going to have multiple Orion coaches. We're going to be talking about mental health and how it matters. Um, but again, you know, great opportunity for you to launch in, talk to some of our health coaches and gather some more information. So Amber, thank you so much for joining us. I pleasure. hope that those reach out and continue to work through this imposter syndrome that we all have. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye.